Brainstorming, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Trevor Scott, and with me as always is Ben Slinger. Good evening. Today we have another guest. His name is Emre Dennis. You want to tell us a little bit about yourself, Emre? Hey, Ben and Trevor. So I'm the third person for today's show, and I also know nothing of game design as well, <laughs> which ironically, I am the lead game designer and producer at Opaque Media Group. I've been uh, working there for over three years now on a range of projects and most recently I've been working on a VR game called Earthlight which you know some some of you may have heard previously we were um, featured quite heavily at the start of this year including a production for NASA and Jet Propulsion Laboratory as well just off the off the fringes of Los Angeles and yeah that's it like Great. Looking forward to this new year, basically, doing it all again. Yeah, so what's your sort of production status at the moment? Uh, On fire, basically. (laughs) Which is, I think, a permanent production status for everyone until they ship it. Uh, We are currently exploring a range of different opportunities. It's been moving really rapidly for us. So we've got international partners like HTC and and several others who have been quite interested in what we've been doing in virtual reality so far because we we were also able to produce essentially the prototype of a second game called Genesis which is a god game in VR oh, nice. and that was coming along really well and we got to show it to an audience at PAX Australia this year and in the VR area it was received real well by people and at uh, the Acme Game Changer VR festival that was uh, on during the Melbourne International Games Week so it's going to be a busy year for us again, basically. Very busy. <laughs> I love how much VR stuff there is going on in Melbourne. Like, that's really exciting. Oh, it's great, yeah. As I was going to say, as fans of VR ourselves, considering we've sort of barely actually had a chance to experience it, it's more like potential fans, but I love the I love the ideas <laughs> behind it and I love what's going on in that in that area, even if I haven't got to, to really use it much. But It is a really exciting field to work in, I think, because of um, yeah, I'd bet. the field's... Like, it's a very new field, right? It's this whole new territory of doing things like trying to understand uh, techniques of of creating game immersion and flow, trying to understand user interactivity from scratch again, like what it means to have the agency of two hands present within your game world. Yeah, I saw someone, like, I I follow a few people on on Twitter who who are working in that area, and I saw someone post a little video the other day where to change like the skin they were using they had a mirror in front of them and some photos on the wall and they'd pick a photo off the wall and just throw it at the mirror and it, as it hit the mirror they'd like <laughs> see amazing. themselves change yeah like just oh, these great God, little so interactivities so yeah it's it's really cool to see it's to see that sort of develop and uh particularly because you're probably i think you're probably of, of a similar age to us and we've sort of the potential of vr has been around for a long time in our lives going back to the 90s when Virtual you know, the, sort of fir- the, f- <laughs> the first wave of, of VR <laughs> development happened and, and then kind of died off. So to see it come back with a vengeance is, is really cool. I think that um, I was just young enough when uh, Virtual Boy came out that I was more intimidated, I think, by Tron. And what was that movie? I think it was... Was it the Lawnmower Man or something like the the movie? Oh, yeah, where, the Lawnmower um, Man, yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Lawnmower Man. That was my impression of virtual reality, that there was this digital world waiting for me where serial killers would would haunt us <laughs> obviously social media beat that and to the now punch. you're working um, towards making that a reality <laughs> yeah and it's fascinating right i mean i'm trying to to bring on the apocalypse quite actively now as a vr yeah. developer yeah absolutely well you know if you can't beat them <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think maybe we'll jump into into the games into the, yeah, the meat of the pod of the podcast 
So for those who might be joining us on this episode, we generally start with a game called Click Pitch, which is where we all have a random word generator in front of us and we count three, two, one, click to get a new word and we use that word to come up with a game design, which may be funny, may be interesting, might be something that we actually want to play and someone might want to make one day, but uh, we shall see. Okay, so here we go. Three, two, one, click. Fetus. Rustling. <laughs> Corroborated. I, I feel as though that I drew the short straw on that. That's, um... Okay, let's let's play. Let's do this. Okay, so... <laughs> a rustling fetus. So, uh, I mean, a human fetus doesn't do much rustling, so maybe we're looking at something that's not human. It definitely uh, corroborates, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe we're, like, comparing... Maybe there's some sort of, like evolution thing where we're corroborating this the evidence that we've seen or like some sort of data that we have with what's happening to this actual rustling fetus <laughs> so i mean this can be an audio game right like where different rustling of fetuses um are essentially <laughs> data points <laughs> okay 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 so maybe yeah so it's a um yeah like a vr audio game where you, you don't have any visuals and you're being attacked by fetuses. And the only way you can tell where they are is by their rustling. <laughs> and, this is uh, terrifying already. Yeah. yeah. So it's got to be in VR because, you know, you can actually turn off the screen and literally they can't see anything. Um, how is positional audio at the moment in, in headphones? Oh, spatial audio in VR is actually pretty good because um, yeah. we map it pretty closely to what engines can offer us already. So audio volumes and things like that are... Are pretty good. I mean, if you have good he- a good set of headphones, for example, positional audio is um, is quite a good method of of building immersion in an environment. So, the, okay. so the positions of these fetuses <laughs> are going to be perfectly <laughs> rendered out there in the audioscape. I would lo- okay. So, I am I am now seeing something that is reminiscent of Silent Hill, but in VR. Like okay, so if you if you're in a room, a dark room, and you've got like a, essentially your your Vive controller's got a candle on it, and the oh. movement of your hand dictates whether or not the candle's going to blow out, and there's little rustling fetuses of different sizes <laughs> and rustling hovering around the room, um, <laughs> circling you, and as you as you like try and navigate up on, this environment over the top yeah. of door frames and. Everything, everything, yeah. just just crawling around like there's low poly fetuses that are are rustling around this darkened cabin room. So wait, do they have do they have leaves or something? Because we probably need to figure out why they're rustling. Ah, <laughs> oh, the room's full of dead cockroach husks. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. So yeah. are, are we doing this with room scale? So therefore, it's with with the HTC Vive, and um, as yeah. you're walking around. You know, you're also making making the that's the crunching. it, yeah. Oh god, my partners at HDC are gonna love me. <laughs> I can see it that's now. It. Just the termination emails are gonna come through tomorrow. Just we don't want anything <laughs> to do with you ever again. Oh, I don't know. I think they're gonna want to push it into production right away. This is this is gold. <laughs> this is gold. This is horror game gold. <laughs> <laughs> bring in bring some nice physics to really kick those cockroach husks around oh god I, i'm just i'm just really wondering is it kind of like you know how in super hot where you where you as you're turning around and as you're moving the the rustling is actually going on or is it always going on so it's not no, a, no, i think it's got to be based on physical movement of of you and the fetuses yeah 
I think so. I mean, let, let's explore the, the super hot idea a little bit further, but instead, maybe we can map it to the idea of where the light moves around. So, you know, you may find that if you move the light around the room, the fetuses will move in accordance to how your Staying light moves. Light? Oh. Yeah. So you could almost, there's almost a bit of, of like Johann Sebastian Joust in there where you have to keep one hand sort of still while the rest of your body is moving. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and make it oh god <laughs> so maybe this can be maybe this can actually be like a horror game the yes the, the I think it's definitely a horror game Trevor. part of it <laughs> but they're just sort of the sound effects but the like you've actually got to make it through this through this like dungeon sort of thing to try and get out oh so they're not even the main they're not even the main sort of sort of enemy in this they're just kind of background, uh, just, or, or, or sort of a, a game mechanic in themselves um, to support I mean, the, the real horror. You know what would be terrifying as well? Just the idea that the candle is running out, like that's your time mechanic, and as oh, yeah. the light it's just dies, they just you can see that the like these rustling fetuses are getting closer and closer <laughs> as the intensity of the light is um, is scaled down according to you know the mesh size of whatever candle you're holding. Yeah. Um, and Absolutely, their glowing eyes, being, like the the candlelight yeah. reflecting in their eyes, just getting closer oh, and closer. God. I don't like this game already. I mean, this is not a game I would play. <laughs> no, but which it's means a game it's great. That someone would. Yeah, play. <laughs> I mean, I think that's one of the major like horror games in VR are going to be well already are pretty huge. I think, but like, there's so much potential there. Oh, they're terrifying. I mean, the idea of having an escape room in room scale VR where. Um, oh, yeah. Like, considering your physicality and your movements, I mean, you chuck in a microphone and basically do the whole Alien Isolation Connect thing of every time you breathe, the, 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 the candle flickers a little bit in your hand. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yes, we have to incorporate that into this game. That's oh, it. If you accidentally, like, awesome. exhale too too loudly or too 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 hard, then the candle can go out and the fetuses just pounce. Just rustle. Yeah, just... The rust- That's it. Just the rustling just, rustling. like, reaches a crescendo as they scuttle towards you game yeah over. I don't like that I, don't, I just don't like that at all like even imagining that in my head is just lots of nope basically yeah I'm pretty well, freaked out right now that was pretty awesome let's see what we get next let's see let's try to get something a bit a bit brighter hey? yeah three two one click well I got vibrant so angst oh there you go Vi- vibrant angst okay banqueting banqueting you know where this is going we all know where this is going do we <laughs> Maybe I don't. Oh, it's a teenage food fight. <laughs> <laughs> so all that pent up angst and bright colours. So like before you start, before the game starts, you have to choose out of all the other people playing who your crush is, because you know being teenagers, there's sort of there's this element of of social awkwardness where. Should I throw... Well, it dep- see, it depends on what type of food you throw at If you throw a hot dog at her, is that going to be just too phallic, you know? Is she going to take something <laughs> from that that you don't want to... You really, you really don't want to express. Uh, but but if you throw, like, a cream pie at her, then that's just... <laughs> <laughs> this is where everything just goes... I, I mean... It's like we went from uh, from husks of cockroaches in a, in a darkened horror room to basically reliving all the wrong advice that we receive as teenagers and how to court uh, people of a of, of a gender that we're interested in. Which that is yeah, exactly. It's, it's like um, I can almost see like Fallout Boy playing in the background and all these droopy haired teenagers <laughs> awkwardly throwing 
chicken bones and apple pies at each other. Yeah, handfuls of peas and like that. Ah, oh, what was it? Um, hook. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, all, yep. the, all the different coloured goop that for so- yeah. somehow is food in their in their universe. Well, you said Fallout, but I think though you have, you just you have to enter your age when you start the game, and it just chooses the background music appropriately. <laughs> You've only got the bracket of choosing from thirteen to seventeen, basically. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm thinking if you know if you put in if you put in fifty five, then it's like playing music from the seventies and stuff. Um, Did the seventies have angst? I thought that they were they were pretty chipper right off the back of the sixties. I guess I was more just thinking of whatever you were listening to as a teenager when you would have experienced oh, yeah, such yeah, angst. Yeah. But. No, I really like that, yeah. As part of the game, in, in the game mechanics, I think rather than you choosing someone that you're that you're attracted to, each each player in, in this multiplayer game uh, gets, oh, given, okay. gets given a, um, a person oh. that they've got to protect. So it's kind of like the, that Assassin's Creed mode where there's like one person you have to assassinate, but in this it's it's protect your it's protect your crush and they're in turn protecting someone else who's their crush. Yeah, and, of course, because so nobody got like when this... you're teenagers, nobody's actually like mutually into each other. This is how you generate angst, right? You get you get <laughs> points for hitting other people. You lose points for if your crush gets hit. Okay, that's and, pretty okay. awesome actually. And so I like that. I like that mechanic. I think it's got to be again VR. I think that's going to be like our our main <laughs> thing this this week because throwing mechanics in VR is just awesome. Well, that's it. Well, and I'm thinking tools and wet and as well, so you can pick up like so slingshot devices. <laughs> or, oh yeah, yeah. Pick but up I'm a plate and frisbee ways, across the room. Ways to propel food as well. Oh, oh yeah, so- sling. I mean, I, I love that you said that. I mean, there is. Um, We've already looked uh, for Genesis. We already had because we can throw fireballs and houses and rocks in Genesis, right? So we have the yeah. idea of essentially like slinky arms, where we have these monkey arms, for example, that look like giant rubber monkey arms that kind of um, sway. So you can actually yeah. do that with a with a spoon, for example. You might be able to have like a mesh that will bend, so you can kind of do that flicking action. Oh, uh, yes, yeah, so you can kind of pull it back, right? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Another thing I want to do is put a bowl down on a tray, move the tray slightly across the edge of a table and just, you know, bring the bring the fist down on oh. it and just launch <laughs> launches yes. launches the bowl through the air. Oh, that would work, yeah. I mean, depending on what engine you're using, that that's just going to work out, out of the box. Um I would say mm. that like say Unity just put a couple of rigid bodies into it. I mean, you could have like an apple put a bowl on top of the like so not a bowl like a tray on top of the apple so that acts as a pivot point and then just slam your fist down and whatever's on top of the tray is going to go flying very nice this is this is awesome this is like way more implementation detail that we usually get into so we know that this can be made yeah well it can be (laughs) absolutely it can be we're going to prototype that today if you really wanted to (laughs) oh we do we do (laughs) <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, you've got to have a pretty rigid point system because obviously you you want to be losing points if you get hit with food, but you want to be gaining more points for if you're hitting other people with food. The type of food surely has to contribute to the amount of points. Type of food, um, position on the body. So if you if you hit Headshots. someone with, you know, a banana cream pie in the face, then, oh. you know, that's perfect comedy value and that's going to maybe cause their their VR screen to go all white so they've got to actually use like the like touch controller around their around their face to to actually wipe it off. Windscreen wipers. Yeah. The problem is 
VR can't tell if your mouth's open. Because I was going to say, if you catch the food in your mouth, then you like either get points or get some sort of power up or something. That would be amazing if we could if we could do uh, facial tracking. I mean, we already have solutions in things like uh, using Connect for Faceware. There's a plugin yeah. for Opaque right there. That's that's our plugin, and that could detect whether or not your uh, your your mouth is open, for example. I guess that's all you need. You could you could almost even do it just as if you if your face is pointing in the right direction for the incoming food or something because we've already got that built in unless um, you can just do it by, by button maybe like if you can utilize oh, yeah. one of the buttons on a controller so that if you're facing um, a piece of food being thrown at you you hit the button the button means that your mouth is open you eat the food you get a power up so yep. I don't know the game spawns a velociraptor that jumps on a table and eats who food <laughs> <laughs> I'm just super amused by the idea of watching all the other avatars in this world with their mouths just like flopping open and closed as they press the button <laughs> Oh, that would be fantastic. I mean, the, the idea that because you can really push the stylization so that you'd have these almost um, Sesame Street-esque giant flapping heads trying to eat like hungry, hungry hippos in VR watching food at each other who've, who've managed to enter into a giant love triangle with each other whilst everyone's audio is playing in the background or whatever music they were interested to because we got a licensing deal with Spotify and oh, the money's definitely. just coming in. Oh my god! I mean, could you imagine amazing. being on one side of the room? You flip a table up. You're hiding behind it. You're throwing stuff over the top. You pick up a tray off the ground, and you're like covering your face as you're throwing stuff from <laughs> underneath it. And it's like, I reckon this would actually be a really fun game. <laughs> Maybe you get extra <laughs> really points for for blocking blocking things with the tray, and but you lose points for taking someone's head off with the tray. Yeah, oh, yeah. so you can't you can't do that. That's it. You have you, if you hit them with anything other than food, like that's a penalty. <laughs> Just go to jail. <laughs> I mean, it's like, hey. <laughs> yeah. That's that's assault. <laughs> You've committed a felony. You got to go to jail now. And that's the next stage because then it's a jail food fight, and <laughs> there, are, there are like shivs and things flying around. And it's oh just, God, it's much higher difficulty level. Um, so I'm just wondering, do do you have like a a thing where the teacher comes in and you've got to try and all you know stop and <laughs> sit down, sit back down at the desk, and it's like sit as if nothing happens. You don't make eye contact with the teacher. Yeah. <laughs> If you make eye contact, down. he comes over and he's and he goes, "Yep, you're the one. You're the instigator, and you're out of the game." I love it. I mean, you can do a ray cast out of um out of the the front of each player's screen, so it's almost like this whole Slenderman effect of if you look at the teacher, the teacher will immediately orient towards you and face you and move towards you, and oh, you're out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so it's just it's not even it's not even well. Uh, presumably, they, the teacher would have to be looking at you to make it fair, so you can. You can kind of, if they start oh. turning their head towards you, you can look away. I think I think we should make it so that what was a, the was it the Enderman in in Minecraft the, the little enemy oh, that yeah. if you hit the cur- like with a cursor just orient orient just the head so you can have the the head flip backwards and face you basically. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like um kind of like uh what's it called the Exorcist and <laughs> it just, just spins around or, or even better like you know how teachers will sort of say to kids that they've got eyes in the back of their head it's just the eyes they just rotate around the head <laughs> oh god that's a good one and then we we kick up like the emission on the eyes so they start to glow with intensity oh of yeah burning hatred for for you and what you've committed and then okay so therefore it should be a robot principle no no let no, no, let's this go with just... uncanny valley effect. Let's go with a yeah. human being. This is just what principles... This is... When you become a school principal, like, you gain certain powers. So, in other words, you really want that technology from, from like, L.A. Noir or um, maybe even oh God, yeah, Rogue it's One be and as just realistic have... as possible. And then just go full Assassin's Creed bug onto it and um, and have the eyes, like, 
just rotate and pop around and look at you. That one's that one's actually one of my favorite games that we've actually talked about. So just ship it, guys. We're we're, we're done oh, here. God. Just ship it. That's great. No, we don't ship games on this podcast. It's only the ideas. <laughs> it's up to you guys. Mainly because we don't actually have a VR kit to actually you know develop with. Or you know skills. Okay, we'll click again. Three, two, one. Predicament. Heirloom. Outgrown. Okay. Wow, this is a good one. This is a real yeah, good one. Yeah, this has got some sort of there's there's sort of story backstory ideas like popping into my head around how you can outgrow an heirloom and what sort of predicament that could put you into. So let's think of an heirloom that you can outgrow for one. A ventriloquist dummy that you get scared of, <laughs> therefore you've outgrown it. Come on, let's let's shift shift away from horror. This is okay. I can see I can see some real like emotional gaming here. Like, you know, this is your grandmother's wedding dress or something. Hey, that's not bad, actually. Yeah. I'm not sure where the gameplay comes in yet, but we'll figure something out. I think that exploring the the, the narrative element of entering a, like a, a, a gameplay environment of a deceased family member is something that could be quite powerful in virtual reality. I think that um, that is something where... You know, we swing on the complete other direction. Like we've explored horror, we've explored comedy. This is about exploring the idea of communicating, essentially empathic Loss play. And yeah, I mean, like um, obviously, the the first thing I jumped to is Gone Home, which now yeah, that I think gone of it, home. Yep. would have been perfect in VR. Like you just yeah, you're really just yeah. you're just picking things up and looking at them and, and wandering around this environment, which is awesome. So yeah, I'm sort of getting that very much that vibe from it. I like that idea of, of you sort of show up this place of a deceased relative and, and finding things out about their lives and, yeah, bring in some personal heirloom. Element. It's a close... Um, it's a thing that we did. So in 2015 and 14, Opaque Media Group was working on something called a virtual dementia experience, which was an empathic learning oh, wow. uh, t- learning tool in virtual reality and augmented reality that essentially walked you through an environment, but with mimicking the effects of what it's like to live with dementia. So things would sort of change around yeah. you. Yep. Yeah. Wow. And like, you know, you'd enter a room and then you'd exit through the same door, but then the expected transition would be different so you might exit like you might go through a corridor there's a bathroom you exit the co- uh, the bathroom but then you're in a, you're in the living room or um something in your hand like you'd pick up a toothbrush and now this is the horrifying part about it is the fact that it's actually mapped to anecdotal case studies when we're working with ac- uh, academics so the idea is that you could pick up a toothbrush and then in your hand a toothbrush would transform into um a shaving razor which is something that had happened to someone previously oh, or the the cold and hot switches on on a shower would would change. So you yeah. kept every time you tried to pick. And I like for example, I did the textures on the burnt hand. Oh god! And yeah, like this is back when um it's when I was uh, a senior texture artist um, at Opaque, and um, I posted a photo of that texture on uh, Facebook, and I had yeah. messages from people saying, you know, hey, are you alright? Did you burn yourself? Like, it's not my hand. It's it's the hand of the game. Um, <laughs> but thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. It's almost pretty much a compliment even though it's sort of in a very dark dark way but yeah oh, i'll wow. take compliments no, that... wherever i can find them <laughs> um I'm a, I'm a horrible narcissist but the idea is that these three words that we've, we've got here i think they could create a really powerful storytelling environment where you are exploring this environment but the idea of outgrown for example what if you're exploring your own space that you had yeah. um as a child for example okay yeah that's cool yeah that's cool and then you find an heirloom that you thought that you lost a long time ago yeah yeah absolutely well i'm wondering even if cuz sort of bringing in that the idea of things changing and stuff there's almost an overlay of memory or switching back and forth between memory yeah. and and present day 
you could even change your perspective in VR. Yeah, change height and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. As, as you're walking down really a corridor, cool. maybe just after you've picked up something, the the corridor starts growing, or rather, you start shrinking as you're walking down, and that's your transition into the memory. Yeah, and as you enter the next room, sort of maybe like yeah, some some sort of memory plays to, to further the narrative a bit, but you're you're experiencing it as a child. I can tell you guys now that um we've done prototyping in changing scale at runtime in VR, yeah. so it's that's definitely something that's feasible. It works. Um, okay, it's not too like nausea inducing. <laughs> It can be if it's a rapid change, right? So if you if you shoot someone up or scale them down really quickly, you are definitely going to induce simulation sickness. Well, I was going to say even if you if you keyed it to their movement through the space. Perfect, absolutely. Yeah, player initialized scaling up and down is what we found originally was the key to that. So in yeah. terms of a gameplay mechanic, this is definitely an, an element that you could comfortably explore within the game, essentially. Cool. Yeah, awesome. So, well, all right, should we explore this a little bit more or do you think we've sort of wrung everything out of it? We can. I like the general idea. We haven't gone into any specifics, but I like this space of sort of coming back to childhood home after, I guess, some sort of event, perhaps? Like, you haven't been here in a while, obviously. I think so. I'm- it could maybe be that your parents have passed away and you're coming back to your childhood home and yep. going through their stuff and that's why you're yeah. triggering the memories and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And if you're holding stuff, you have like, you know, little kids running around and disappear in like the living room. And Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, they could be some really, be really, really fun stuff with that. One of the best uh, gameplay experiences I had in a little while was playing Dear Esther and and also Gone Home. Just walking around picking stuff up, and when Ben you mentioned it before, I was thinking that exact yeah. same thing about Gone oh, yeah. Home, environmental storytelling sort of stuff. But yeah, to, to take it that extra step further with the memories and actually having some sort of interaction with people, where maybe your choices within the game changes like some of the conversation trees within the memory. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I was just thinking, actually, because, I mean, gone home, and, and I haven't actually played all the way through Dear Esther, but very solitary experiences. I wonder I wonder if you could bring in sort of a, a companion mechanic in some way to help move the narrative along and explain these things. And, you know, obviously you have this memory happen, and then they're like, hey, what what happened? Where'd you just go? Like, and then, you you know, there can almost be some, some, some conversation there too. Hey, that works. I mean, maybe your progression arc is essentially key objects within the space will play essentially like a non-player character. And it could be anything. It could like, it could just be like a golden retriever, you know, like a dog or yeah. something just in that environment that pops up every time you hit this key object. And I'd be really fascinated to see how you could explore the idea of your interaction mapping to like to having permanent effects on the environment. For example, maybe if you pick something up with one hand, the palette of that changes or the tone. So maybe a photograph you pick up with your left hand, everyone starts smiling and then you hold it with your right hand and everyone's sad, becomes black and white and how your interactions start to color the memories of that environment, essentially. That's really cool. Yeah, well, I like that idea, even even just to sort of indicate important objects in the environment that that have either you know that maybe have memories associated with them that yeah you pick them up and yeah some sort of cpr or 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 desaturation effect sort of flows out from your hand into the object to sort of show you that there's some significance there to the past or or something like that oh yeah i mean my brain goes straight to um the technical stuff for this like it's like (laughs) oh yeah that's fine we'll just use substance uh substance plugin in ue4 we'll just you know we can change stuff in runtime it's fine i mean we'll we'll change textures in runtime we can we can swap textures in and out or we can 
desaturate them in runtime. Right. That's cool. That's it. That's it. I don't know the tech. <laughs> I don't know the, the full on technical details, but I've seen this stuff. I know. I, I know it can be done. You know. <laughs> I it, like trust me. Programmers are magicians. They they can sort this out. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a programmer by trade, just not a not a game programmer. So I know how to you know, get into this stuff. <laughs> Awesome. Our, our early tagline in this was anyway, I just let the developers sort it out. You know, we, we come up with the ideas. They've just got to implement it. <laughs> exactly. This, this podcast is a game student's dream, basically. That's what they do. They just come up with ideas all day and then they're just, you know, someone else is going to fix it. They're going to they're gonna come up with the production. Totally. Pretty much. Well, it's, it's, it's everyone out there who wants to be a game designer or involved in the game industry without having to actually learn any skills. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're just taking it to the next level and, and, and making it real. So... so the idea of of what I do in my work, for example, as a game designer, is that this would be like the most fun thing that you would do in a day because ninety nine percent of everything else is about mechanic design. So it's like, oh, absolutely, you know, <laughs> what's the what's the formula for for picking an object up? So player picks up X object, X object essentially flags the, a game system that says I've been picked up. Now let's activate the the, the substance plugin because. You know, depending on which controllers pick me up, I'm gonna change my uh, <laughs> my my textures here. Yeah, and you gotta you gotta you gotta essentially. That's, that's fun on a that. different level, but not like just coming up with the ideas and, and and blue skying it is 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 where a lot of the fun comes from. So. That's the fun, exactly. Yeah. The, that's the fun, and the job is basically everything that comes after that, which yeah. is um, Make, which, making yeah, it happen, making it happen essentially, and prototyping it, and iterating on it, and failing as many times as you can. <laughs> Because <laughs> mm-hmm. we don't know, right? For the, for example, this idea might be like the worst idea that anyone ever made. Like I'll get shunned out oh, yeah. of the VR industry because I came up with this idea, but I don't know yet. But, that's like it. It might, it might but we don't care. Time. We don't care at this point. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Sounds cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or or it's or it's funny. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. I think we should move on and hit the button again. Yep. Let's hit this button. Yep. Three, two, one. Click jaw okay i got keg i got displeased oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is this is definitely parents coming home to find that their that their child threw a party isn't it oh, it's a cleaning up simulator in vr <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing like from my point of view and and probably yours as well because it's still such early days but like everything seems fun in vr even cleaning up in vr <laughs> Oh, it's super fun. Like it would be a good time. That's the problem that I have with virtual reality is the fact that we try and find ways, like, for example, okay, and I digress a little bit, but in Genesis, for example, you have the ability to pick up trees and then walk over and deposit them directly into construction sites where the yep. villagers are supposed to go chop down trees themselves. I originally designed that with the intent that you as a player would get bored of doing that. And it turns out that people don't. They like well, doing it. I can picture that. Just yanking out the trees, throwing them to the, to, into the construction yard, get a good construction line going. Yeah. I mean, virtual reality, I think, is essentially the key to making manual labor become this fun, fascinating, <laughs> engaging thing. I'm surprised that like evil corporations aren't throwing absolutely stupid amounts of money to make really mundane oh, things feel oh, rewarding they're probably, they're probably on it they're probably way ahead of us or maybe we just gave them the idea i don't know this is the beginning of the end this podcast <laughs> <laughs> so basically i'm go- they're gonna blame you you both so ben ben and trevor were the instigators of, of the downfall <laughs> of the anti-revolution that happened the complete yeah. subjugation of just, the human soul that's it, Put, it just, sorry. that's okay We'll, we'll we'll take that as long as as long as we get 
as long as you know we we get more listeners listening in. <laughs> in the meantime, oh, be, hey, look, be forced we, at that I, point. I'm pretty sure we've said on a previous episode HCC Vive in every living room, so that would actually achieve that. So it's just it's just what we wanted. I'm pretty sure that there's a there's a magic number of times that we can mention people like HTC Vive before someone from them basically says, "Oh, I should, we should promote this show." Um, oh, I think so. I mean, that's basically been our goal from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Let's so, get back on track. Keg. Jaw displeased. If the parents coming in, we've thrown a huge party. Where does the jaw come into it, though? Um, you can only clean with your mouth. <laughs> you can only clean with your mouth. Oh my God. No, so you're a bring... python. You're a python that threw a giant party, and your parents <laughs> come home. Yes. So, like, you can only fit a certain amount of of, of large <laughs> objects in your in your body that you have to unhinge your jaw, basically. <laughs> Yeah. And How does that work like, in VR, though? Say that you're like you're not the the Python. The Python is what you control as like this this slithering ragdoll kind of like um, oh, yeah, rope I've simulation s- thing. Yes. And the parents oh, are you slithering. Just throw they, things at it. <laughs> no, no, no. Throwing, yeah. So I've seen I've seen again on Twitter some people doing some really interesting stuff with basically puppetry where um, your your main character is not you in first person. It's it's whatever's being it's attached to your controller. It's controlled by your hand basically as a puppet. It. Yeah, that could work. That that yeah. or the fact that um maybe you have to jangle like little little mice in front of the python and the python will swallow up the garbage as it's trying to hit the mice and, and you got to keep go. moving your hand around. <laughs> well, I think like this is reminding me very strongly of snake. So like every time you pick something up does it just get a little bit longer and you have to deal with an even more tangled rope simulation in this 3D world. Yeah, and you got to make sure it doesn't kill itself because then you know, the parents will be more upset because it's dead. Because it's their pet python. <laughs> well, it's a dead child. Yeah, they come home and the child's dead. The house. Oh, wait, it doesn't kill the child. <laughs> yeah, okay. I thought you meant kill the python. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, nailed it. That was yeah. great. You guys have got it. You guys have nailed it. It's the fact that you're controlling the pet python. The child has thrown a party and now is asleep. And you're trying to clean the mess around it before the parents around. get home. And you make it with the, like Go like on. real watercolory upbeat like almost like a paper craft kind of a gone home-esque type of art direction except what happens if the python actually eats the child in which case you have <laughs> a really well-made physics simulation of a child being being eaten by a giant python oh god yeah and when it's done like you can just see the outline of it in the python's skin like poking out of it you know <laughs> and the mice in your hand keep moving and i'm thinking and i'm thinking not just like not just one child like this is a bunch of drunk teenagers <laughs> Just sleeping around this yeah. party, and they're just sort of draped across the furniture, and you have to clean up all the cups, the bottles, the broken chandelier as a python, because apparently this python is just really into making sure this kid doesn't get in trouble. So <laughs> maybe, invested. maybe I, I kind of want to go back to Emre's idea about not controlling the python, and maybe you've got to try and wrangle the python away from eating the kids because that's the only thing it really wants to do, and and so that's another another uh, difficulty spike. Oh, I like it. I like it because yeah. okay, okay. So now now we're starting to to cook in the kitchen. Basically, uh, what what I'm seeing here is you've got mice scurrying around the teenagers on the floor because the house is a mess. They've been throwing a three day bender. Everyone just mm-hmm. had a crash. Yep. The python will always default to the nearest possible sleeping teenager unless you can you know hold a mouse <laughs> above its head. Which means that with one hand, you're trying to catch these mice and trying to bring it to the python, and the python, whenever it loses interest, will then default back to trying to eat a teenager again. 
And you're also you clean, trying to clean up the place. <laughs> yeah, and as you start cleaning the house, the mice start to, to, to spawn less and less because there's less of a mess. Oh, yeah, because they're attracted to all the mess. Well, and also there are just drugs scattered about because this was a real bender. And if the python eats the drugs, then it like, changes its behavior in some way. <laughs> I, lo- I love it. Like, they've kids have just come back from Revolver. It's been three days. They've been going hard at it. They've got, you know, stuff lying everywhere. This is python's moving around you're trying to get the python you know don't eat the cocaine just go for the mdma because you'll just be a bit more mellow give me 30 seconds yeah. of breathing room yeah yeah i don't know how pythons work with drugs but this game can kind of you know make a oh, couple yeah. of creative licenses but i'm pretty sure if the python hits something like methamphetamine we're gonna have a real problem on our hands you do realize that you've just got the game banned in australia though Oh, without oh, doubt. I'm probably going to get deported over that, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and also, just for an extra challenge for the developers, you have to code it in Python. Yeah, <laughs> oh, absolutely. And they're going to love that, right? Because they're going to need... Like, this is a great meta game that we've developed here because God knows they're going to they're need a lot of drugs to get over that. <laughs> <laughs> to really put together a decent VR engine in Python. <laughs> I would love to just ask one of our like senior programmers if that's possible, but I'll have to be wearing headgear when I do that. <laughs> yeah. Send them... Send in the episode, and when he gets to, you know, approximately 40 minutes in or whatever we are, just watch how red his face gets. Or how fast he throws his headphones across the room or something like that. <laughs> Basically, yeah. I'll have to ask one of our senior programmers, um, I'll ask her to see whether or not, like, it's doable with like an, as a serious thing, and then maybe yeah. try and convince them that, that that's my next, like, you know, project that I'm going to pitch. <laughs> like, let's just, let's, let's do a VR engine in Python. I don't even know what that entails. <laughs> All I know is it's not feasible, but... <laughs> You know, <laughs> definitely have a hidden recorder, and we'll we'll put it out as a bonus episode. <laughs> definitely, like bonus episode. Emre Dennis uh, becomes unemployed and is assaulted by by a coworker. <laughs> but, yes, but, that's how you'll get more followers. Definitely, definitely. Okay, I think it's time to move into the eye of the storm. Oh yeah. Okay, here we go. Catch us on Twitter. We're at Lamestorming. You can find us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Lamestorming. You can email us, podcast at lamestorming.com. Uh, search for Lame Storming on iTunes. That's two words. Uh, and you can rate, review, uh, and subscribe to us there. We've got a website, lamestorming.com. I would like to thank Kuridas, of which we are both members, for the track that we use uh, in the opening and closing credits and over the top of Eye of the Storm, uh, Mount Defiance. Uh, I'd like to plug Zencaster, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. They've provided us with our recording capabilities for our guest today so thank you very much and um, we'd like to plug our other podcast two sweary dads you can find that at two dads.com and that's a parenting podcast yeah go check it out so emory is there anything you'd like to plug you can always check out opaque media group's work um, at www.pake.media as well as check out our games which is uh, Genesis Genesis God Game on Twitter and you can check out Earthlight at www.earthlightvr.com where you can sign up for the mailing list and uh, keep up to date with all the news and cool stuff that we're, we're cooking up in uh, Opaque Media Group done alright well let's do let's do one more one more click pitch okay three two one click hearsay erosion penance Oh God, that's an interesting combination. We have so many directions that we can go with this. I'm trying to figure out how you work erosion into the other two, which are clearly very sort of social dynamics. So is it a game that you've got to actually try and talk a climate change denier into actually... (laughs) (laughs) Into actually 
<laughs> believing in in what is literally happening to the world or i really like I that you can idea make a because, game out of that <laughs> well i mean it, it, it I, i'm pretty sure that um your hardware suppliers will be pretty happy because the amount of times that I would slam the headset down and walk away and break it, basically, out of frustration. <laughs> like, fine, if you want to cook yourself to death, that's whatever, I hate this game. And I'm fine, you'll be okay. So it's basically twitter.com. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I like that. I think that anything to do with, with that, essentially, um, the penance angle is one that, that, that's interesting. You could, I mean, just, just for arguments, yeah. like, let's go with that. Let's go with the climate, the climate denier. Yeah. You know, okay. in VR, you're arguing, you're throwing, I don't know, facts at a, t- on, on a table at someone who's denying climate <laughs> change. Yeah. Um, okay. and the being <laughs> that the world very effectively. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Well, Neo from the matrix just has just achieved the one status and you are no longer able to, to throw anything and the world is getting hotter and there's a firestorm outside. (laughs) And then it just becomes a first person shooter, right? So we can just get all our frustrations out. Oh, that or uh, like a VR beat 'em up game. Oh yeah, <laughs> boxing simulator. <laughs> boxing simulator, exactly. So wait, is, the, is the erosion coming from when you finally like erode down their defenses and convince them that anthropomorphic climate change is a real thing and that ninety nine percent of scientists aren't in a huge conspiracy? I think that just ethically speaking, designing a game <laughs> like that and having to write all the all like the denial stuff would make me go insane. Um, I don't think I would like I would I would have to just go to, go to Twitter and just say. Uh, you know I think climate change is real and then just copy and paste every response that I get from that into, into <laughs> oh, yeah. like canned responses you could write you could write a bot and just feed the responses directly into the into the game data I would love to write a number of bots actually um, that would that would just I don't know disagree with people and just see how far that goes before they realize it's a bot this that's a that's a different oh, game yeah. Actually, yeah. I, well, I, I was going to say you, you could almost make this game where there's real a real t- a real time bot <laughs> that is out there on Twitter that's feeding the responses into your game because you'd probably get responses quickly enough from from all the terrible, terrible people out there uh, uh, to make that work. The moment that the internet becomes aware of that, like we're it, living in the age of Bodie McBoatface. Um, <laughs> You're going to very quickly change the climate science argument on the on, on the internet into one of just constantly sending pictures of penises with the tagline of climate change just to see if they can break your game. And very quickly the world that could will be, be interesting it, though. Well, you would definitely ensure that our species will cook itself to death because all discourse will then be dominated by this desire of people on Twitter to essentially use the hashtag just, for, uh, for sending phallic pictures to each other. Dick pics to your bot, yeah. Yeah, with it's the true. intention of, just the pure intention of just killing this game. I'm not sure we'd be in a much worse situation than we are now, but... That could be penance. Like, that could be the meta game, like the, the meta narrative <laughs> of this game, being that the penance of the human race is the fact that we've derailed climate, climate change. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, that wraps that up really nicely. I think. I think that's. I think. I think, that think ship that as well. We're shipping titles all all night tonight. Oh god, definitely, definitely. We are open for business. <laughs> all right. Well, I think let's move into our final segment. And for those who have listened to any episodes where we've had guests on before, this is where we take the name of a game, Emery, where you are work that you are working on. Yep. And come up with alternate versions of that game that could exist just based on the name. Oh, uh, so in this in this case I guess we'll take Earthlight since that's sort of your your prime game I think that you're that you're working on at the moment. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. But in a pinch, we can also choose Genesis, which opens up yeah. a very religious that angle up, that's there. Very, that's fairly broad. <laughs> but I think let's see what we can do with Earthlight. So, you know, we have two elements here. We have Earth, we have Light. Yep. Give me game mechanics. <laughs> All right, let's boogie, right? We've got an Earth, and we've got we've got this idea of Light essentially striking the Earth. So, obviously, a part of us, our brains immediately go to the idea of photosynthesis yeah. and game yeah. mechanics that are derived from the presence or absence of vegetation on a Earth-like surface. Surface. My mind almost like flies back to um, there was this really cool spin-off of Animorphs books where it taught. Um, yeah, I am going way yeah. into a rabbit hole yeah. here. So oh, buckle up, everybody. It. Let's do it. We're going for a ride. Animorphs. And awesome. like Animorphs had this this one book that talked about as a form of entertainment. This alien race essentially was using a digital simulation of raising life from from single cell organisms to civilizations. So that yeah. looking into that, so we're going to go into a little bit of spore territory here. The idea that yep. dangerous ground, but we we can tread it carefully. Thankfully, we don't have the marketing team from Maxis that around to to <laughs> steal the game and to crush our hopes and dreams. Uh, we've only got got theory here, not not market dynamics. The idea would be that what happens if you had the idea of being able to in virtual reality adjust the planetary positions in a solar system to influence the, the habitation zone of a planet to increase or decrease vegetation, ice or atmospheric conditions and things like that and then look at things such as essentially shadows and lights. Uh, planets that block each other for example in orbit or, or asteroids that block that, that, that can cause density and block out light. Um, obviously it's oversimplifying and, and taking huge liberties in terms of astrophysics but uh, you yeah, could derive some simulating entire entire solar systems and the life that you're growing <laughs> therein oh absolutely oh, and, and the fact that you know you're obvious oversimplifying the idea of light like by a huge margin <laughs> from what we've been told uh so yeah there, there's a great little plug in there we actually did speak to astronauts who've been who've been up on eva in, in low earth orbit yeah. and one of the striking things that they said to me was um so tom marshburn for example in a, in a conversation that i had with him said that the dark side of the earth is actually really bright and when you look at the stars like there's so much light emanating from from the stars themselves so maybe let's flip that around for a second right the idea being that what happens if the vegetation you're dealing with on this planet grows in the absence of light? So you have to find creative ways to block light hitting this planet. Yeah, okay. So the the light is more damaging than than positive in this situation to their to their growth sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So you have to like fire asteroids off to put them into the right orbit. Yeah. Over a I long enough time yeah. frame. Like this is the thing, like an asteroid well, may, I mean, I guess an asteroid maybe becomes a moon if you're putting it in orbit around a, a planet, but in, in the right orbit that it's blocking enough of the light enough of the time to actually allow Constantly, yeah. organisms to grow and evolve. Yeah, without striking other asteroids that are in orbit. So you have this delicate yeah. balance of constantly shifting asteroids in, in orbit, trying to create a blanket of areas where light's not hitting just long enough That's for cool. vegetation to establish itself. Yeah, I can picture sort of, you know, the, the time-lapse uh, visuals of of how that works and the vegetation growing on the planet. That's really cool. So it's, it's almost as if the the radiation from from that sun is actually harmful to the to the planet. So you can actually yeah. have maybe maybe little Geiger counter for for an area to sort of show well, how much radiation it, you is could do it visually within the area. Like just just this the sort of the luminosity almost or, or just the way that it's rendered. You could you could really do something cool with that. Oh yeah, totally. I mean even even on the back of that, like a second idea that could pop out from this essentially like in a completely different direction is the idea of uh solar energy. Like earth light being light that's striking the earth and exploring concepts of of receiving light to power something for example mm. and that could just be 
I don't know, like maybe you're a you're a little rover that's that's come back to Earth after some sort of calamity and it's a oh, hugely cool. like barren atmosphere. So, sort of a wally situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly wally, right? And and solar energy is your is your only only way of actually getting getting um, oh, that, energy. Yeah. That could be a really cool challenge to sort of be be navigating this barren environment and, and sort of having to, you know, even chase the sun, right? Like it could even be that you have to be moving quickly enough through through these obstacles and you're you know, you're not you're not particularly uh, graceful as a as a little rover, but it could even be that you well, I guess you probably can't move quite quickly enough. I guess it depends on the size of the planet and the orbit, but stay within the sunlight. That night comes and and bad things happen or something like that, you know. I actually I think that you hit a you hit a great direction here by that. Yeah. And this is a fascinating thing, right? Like why don't we explore the idea of Earthlight being a survival crafting game, but you can never actually um, stay in one spot for too long and you have to yeah. constantly be either chase or stay ahead of dusk and night. Yeah. So you have to constantly yeah. keep moving this environment that's procedurally generated, staying in the light. Otherwise you hear the rustling of fetuses. <laughs> we're we're back to the start, guys. We've we've Definitely. come back to the start. No, I love that though, because so many survival games, you know, and that that's obviously been a, a quite a, a genre that's that's had a lot of different entries over the past few years, but they often revolve around you sort of building up your base and and you know, building up your resources in one particular area and building a home base. But yeah, if you have to constantly keep moving, like that adds a whole other challenge. Yeah, why don't why I'm wondering why no one's ever explored this concept. The idea being yeah. that why don't we why don't we break down the core mechanics of the tropes of survival games being that I mean just let's just pitch it real quick like the idea being that you have you have a bus um, like a school bus it's got giant solar panels Oregon Trail kind of thing of you have to constantly keep driving down this highway that's procedurally generated and you can never fall behind too much into dusk and night once you're at night you're basically like you know dawn of the dead zombies appear out of nowhere oh, yeah. and smash into your bus and eat it's, everybody and you're there's dead. just a wave of them but they have to they have to stay yeah in the yeah in the exactly so of the sunlight my only problem with this is land is only so big you will eventually get to an ocean or something impassable and oh, what you then it's like oh really shit quickly <laughs> <laughs> but well maybe maybe the game actually like it's like it reminds me of um the road um both the book and the movie uh. the idea being that this constant chasing down of this coast essentially once they hit the coast they start moving down the coast but if we explore the idea of essentially real-time movement through a space with procedural generation and procedural is always this thing where it's not a magic bullet it, it will have huge issues and you know it's it's this crazy crazy thing but the idea being that procedural generation can work in this in, in a game like this because you can't go back to where you've already progressed through so there's no yeah, idea absolutely. you have to keep going forward which means that we deload essentially the things that we've generated previously so you're essentially dealing in cells of, of generation so once you go from one cell to the next cell you wipe out the cell previously and you can keep doing this this idea of just you keep moving forward keep moving forward and if you don't even want to have a resolution to this it, you could even have the idea that earthlight you know survival game is about how far did you get before you ran out of food before you Fuel. fell behind yeah, yeah there's, got... there's a roguelike kind of kind of aspect to it. Yeah, I sense. mean, hell, I'll, I would I would play that game honestly. Like, yeah, it's, it seems like it's one of those things where you put it into VR, for instance, and let's just for the idea of being cheap about it. Let's just say you, you know you do the teleportation mechanics and you end up like approaching farmsteads, for example, and you know that you've only got like you know the luxury of 20 minutes to pick up as much food yeah. and and wood and this and that, replace your tire, 
board up the windows a little bit more, get back in the bus and keep driving forward before you actually fall behind. And then, well, um, and the and the potential of of perhaps any place that might have been shielded from the sunlight could hold the horrors that are that are following you along. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, you come to like an underpass. There's this real tension both of the time uh, constantly marching on, but as, yeah, there are resources in this in this farmhouse or whatever, but they could also... They could be there. Yeah. 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 And not just that, like the idea... I mean, I love it. I totally love it. But, but if you do manage to sort of clear it out, maybe you can barricade yourself in there for the night, you know, but and then, survive, yeah. you know, a wave of attack to be able to then wake up the next morning and you then could have kind of, take yeah, off you again. You could have some sort of mechanic around giving yourself that breathing room of being able to find shelter for the night. But it, I think it'd have to be fairly challenging, you know? Yeah, it, it'd be like, have, have you ever played... Um, it was the DayZ. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yes, of yeah. course. So during the day, the zombies were, were pretty docile and all that sort of stuff. But the second it hit night, you were, you were totally fucked, basically. Yeah, so that, that's not bad, actually. Like, if you do find a place that you think you can maybe survive the night, like, that's the challenge. But it's it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be a piece of cake. Like, it's going to be a hard slog through. But at the end of it, it means you get to start moving on in the morning of that day, right? So the, the faster you can move, the more time you're going to have before the next, before dusk catches up with you again. That could work as a good as a good reset mechanic. I would say that yeah. you, you can commit to two different directions one being that like if you make this about an endless runner meets a survival game there is that overt pressure constantly as a mechanic where um you can explore this con- like the idea that you can never stop you can never ever you can never feel safe you never feel comfortable and then it means that every time you meet an obstacle and the idea being that the danger exists at the absence of light introduces a number of elements that become really really engaging for me even if i was a gamer to experience these things like what's the like say you come you come to a freeway and you have a freeway that's an underpass and a freeway with an overpass mm. with blocked cars what's the value proposition you make as a player with a game economy mm. you know you might you might have lights like uv lights on top of your your bus and you know that if I'm going to go through the underpass, I absolutely have to turn my lights on. And it means I'm going to drain my batteries. If I don't make it to the other side of whatever this underpass is, I'm going to, I'm going to die in this place. Like I'm, my game comes to an end because the lights will go off. They'll, they'll break in and I'll die. And even if I get to the other side, will I, ha- will I have enough battery time left over to do the things that I need to do in the game? Like maybe yeah. my radio turns off, my headlights turn off. I, I have like trickling battery and I need that sunlight time to get me charged back up basically. Fuck yes, I love it. That's awesome. That is a that is a good. This is a good game. I would I would be really happy if someone made this game. <laughs> oh man, it tends to happen with at least one of the the ideas on each episode. So that that's yeah. really cool. I actually really like that. I think if there's any indie devs that are that are going to be listening to this podcast, they need to oh, like yeah. farm the hell out of all the previous episodes. Um, Definitely, because. Yeah, even with we need like to a put game up, jam, we need to put up a nice license that just says you're free to use them because we want to play these games, man. Like it's like, go ahead, do it, take them. Ask for a percentage, like seriously. I mean, it's one of those things. I think that it would be easy, not easy, sorry, but it would be quickly able to prototype some of these things very recently i and tweeted out a bunch of like game design experiments using light for example as a game mechanic and um, yeah they struck really well with i think one of them was like rt'd a couple of like hundreds of times because of this idea that the absence and the presence of light were really profound in a in a, in a scene that just used like primitive shapes basically like you only mm-hmm. see when there's light so that the game is actually playable in the presence of light and that was just made by a a metro train that was going past this platform basically yeah. um mm-hmm. yeah. so i think that this this bus thing yeah that's that's awesome that's that's some really that's some really cool cool stuff you could do with that idea 
love it. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy with the, with, with that one actually. <laughs> All right, priorities shifted from Earthlight. This is the game now, guys. Go. I'm going back in the office tomorrow. I'm saying everyone, stop what you're doing. We have it. We have we have the next game. Um, so so we we've we'll call it Earthlight. We'll just get rid of everything. It doesn't matter that NASA was interested in us. Yeah, so let's go um, choose this unproven zombie apocalypse thing. I can't Fetuses. I can't wait for everyone's face when I get back in the office tomorrow and to tell them that everything is getting cancelled and we are going to make a new, better game for Earthlight. <laughs> uh, happens all the time, right? Yeah. Or you could just go. You know what? I've come up with a sequel to Earthlight. Earthlight Two. you crash land the international space station like falls to earth (laughs) i'm 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 sure that our part like the people that we collaborate with at nasa are going to absolutely love the the vr depiction of (laughs) of the international space station crashing to earth (laughs) i can't wait to see their faces Definitely not. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I think that we might finish it on that note of the International Space Station crashing to Earth and living in a post-apocalyptic world of zombies where uh, you need to stay ahead of the night. Yeah, absolutely. And if anyone makes that game, make sure you credit like me, Ben, and Trevor because yeah, definitely. That, that, that's a good idea right there. Copyright lambstorming. Copyright lambstorming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... That's all we have time for today on Lamestorming. Yeah, thanks very much for coming on, Emery. That was awesome. I think we came up with some really cool and funny and horrific ideas. Yeah, I'm really glad. I mean, I'm going to have nightmares about at least one of those games. So yeah. that was a yeah, really well, rewarding our... experience. Yeah, well, I mean, that's our goal in each episode. So Sorry for bringing it back up at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Emery, uh, do you want to shout out your plugs again? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, so you can check out Earthlight at www earthlightvr.com where you can sign up to our mailing list and stay up to date with all the news that are coming out we have exciting stuff coming out in 2017 about both Earthlight and Genesis of Development you can also uh, keep up to date with Opaque's news and game stuff at www.opaque.media and you can also stay up to date with cool stuff that I'm up to in both my independent game development as one of two people in Chalk and Rain and one of three people in Philosophy of Ten uh, through Twitter which is Emray Den so it's at Emray underscore C underscore Dennis at Twitter. So Emray, shall we start development? I think that for every single one of those games, including the stuff that I'm working on professionally, we shouldn't start development. First game, I have absolutely no idea how you're going to have so many moving fetuses in an environment... <laughs> Uh, and keep it performant in VR. Dead. Second game. I'm not sure how you're going to be able to have so many physics bodies like fruit and food and that moving around in multiplayer and sync that over network. Dead. Third game. I have no idea how you're going to be able to build a um, a universal narrative attachment with diverse backgrounds of players um, and make it meaningful for them. Dead. Fourth game was the Python game. Okay, so we have um, depiction of drugs and teenagers being murdered by Pythons chances are you're going to end up hitting your release window at the same time as some horrific story coming out of like you know some country where some kids were murdered probably by a python pr nightmare no publisher wants to touch it dead and the bus game i'm pretty sure that you're going to get like beaten to the punch by some modder who's going to mod that into minecraft dead let's go with earthlight uh making a space game depicting the most complex thing that human beings have tried to do which is human space flight in virtual reality which is an emerging platform on an emergent game engine really difficult dead <laughs> okay they're all dead 
Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> Everything's dead now. I've actually managed to like strip away my entire game's career in one sweeping hit. 